All right, Father in heaven, how thankful we are to be in a place, in an environment, to be able to just gain warmth and strength from your Holy Spirit and from each other, to gain knowledge and wisdom. And, and I just pray that during these classes, you would, you would just help us and, and increase our hungering and thirsting after you, our love for souls, and that you would help us to learn what you would have us to learn so that we may go back and be a light in a dark place. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so our purpose in, in a Balanced Living Boot Camp is to bless you personally and professionally. We want you to be able to go home every day motivated, inspired, and educated because each one of those things alone is not enough. We have to know what to do, know how to do it, and be motivated to want to do it. Amen? Amen. And so each section that we are doing, we're dividing this class into three sections, and, I'm, and they are watching me to make sure I finish my section on time so that I don't rob anybody of their time. And we're starting five minutes late, and I'm even going to try to cut myself of what I passionately would like to say so that we finish on time today. Uh, and I'll try to be sorry if I go over, but I'm not sure I'm gonna be successful. So in section one, my job, my job is to make this material purposeful. God called me years and years ago after being a runaway and a bulimic and a, a, an atheist and drugs and smoking and a wild life, he called me to do this work. He did not call me to do this work separately from the gospel. Ellen White says that when we separate the gospel message from the health work, that the worst evil is the result. And so the materials that I'm sharing with you are purposeful. They are health education tools that you can use. They are for you to use in your home or in your church or personally. And I'm gonna tell you just a little bit about, about those things. Evelyn's section is making it practical, making it practical. Information, information that we can't actually do is just discouraging. Have you ever been to a seminar and you are given so much, you are downloaded so much information in your brain that it just makes you want to go get a donut and forget the whole thing, <laughs> right? So we're not going to do that to you. So we're not going to steamroll you with information. Because we're trying to empower you so that you can go and humbly share what you know. Because as you humbly share what you know, you will grow in grace and truth. That's the promise of God. And the blessing will bounce back on you. How many of you believe that? Yes. So Ellen White says that many would be willing to learn if they were just shown how. That's the purpose of this class. But the third piece, which is so important, and without this third piece, the rest of it becomes a crushing burden is how to make it personal. So yes, our message is purposeful. We, we cannot separate our testing truths, the special truths for, the, for this time from the message. We can't separate the gospel. It has to be practical. I'm not gonna tell somebody else what to do when, when I don't do it myself or know how to do it, and it's ridiculous. That's why all of our stuff is called balanced. So we, we want to add value to people's lives. Even if they're dying, can we still add value to a person's life? Help them in that walk with Jesus in the valley of the shadow of death. 
Very, very important. But that brings us to Jerry. Jerry is going to show us God has gifted him with making it personal. How do we open our homes? How can we make our home a home of hope? How many of you would like to have your home be a home of hope? Because one of the worst things we can do is be so laser focused on information and, and getting a message to people that we forget about the people. Have you ever had that experience where you're trying to share with someone your trial and your burden and they're already thinking about what they're going to say to you and you just feel like you're not heard? And so Jerry uh, has been called by God to do a special work of making this hit, touch the heart. So we're interested in your head, we're interested in your heart, and we're interested in your home. Does that sound like a reasonable use of your time during this? Okay, so what I want to share with you is today's topic, we're going to be, my part of this is we're going to be talking about the way out addiction and depression recovery keys. Now, you're gonna be looking at this and you're gonna go, wow, those are really, those are really nice images. Whoa, I, you know, I sure would like that information. Well, guess what? We produced it for you. They are for you. And so we have 24 balanced living PowerPoints in a short and long version that are scripted and editable. You can put them in other languages. You can edit them to your country. So Jerry can go to Canada and put Canadian statistics in there. Uh, and, and they have appeals and calls written into them so that you can use them uh, you can use them uh, in your home or in a church setting or for a supper club. There are, so this is what is brand new, and that's what you're going to be experiencing in the first part of every one of these classes. We also have, this is a picture, these are in Spanish. I couldn't find the English version, but how cool is this, that there's a Spanish version available of all of this, amen? Instead of the Spanish people having to get 1972 materials, this is brand new, beautiful, that can be used by our Spanish-speaking and Latin people. So here's, uh, here's a picture of the 24 programs. These are the 24 presentations in a short and long version. But we also divided the 24 topics into three sessions of eight, so that if you just want to get eight topics and try it out, do a short series, fine. Uh, and so those are going to be on the table uh, in the back here. I just wanted you to see a picture of this. And then what is coming in August is a all 24 of these balanced living topics we are producing, and it's in production right now, a five-minute plug-and-play of each of the 24 topics. And they all go with the balanced living tracks so that you can do a ministry moment at church. Or you can do these in your home and use a tract as a discussion piece, you can make your home a home of help and a home of hope for others. It was the meat and drink of Jesus to bring hope and strength to all with whom he came in contact. How many of you would love to be a home of hope uh, in your neighborhood and in your community? Well, this is the easiest way to do it. You just plug us in. That's a dollar a program. Okay, so even if Evelyn and I flub up once in a while in these things, uh, it's only five minutes, and it was only it was only a dollar. So I don't know how you could do any better than that. The other thing coming in August is a ten-session plug-and-play stop smoking program. And yeah, amen. And it's in three segments, the same that we're doing here in this boot camp. 
and it has lots of interaction and discussion. Any layperson can run one of these. It's full of hope and full of God and full of practical things to do so that you can help in your community. And addictions are skyrocketing all over Michigan. And, so, and all over the United States. So by August, we're gonna have a 10 session program. It has session guides, handouts, simple and beautiful and powerful. The, the next thing that we are gonna have ready in August for you are two PowerPoints that I've produced for um, Unlock Revelation Evangelistic Series, and it's called Victorious Christian Living, Revelations Overcomers. It's, it's a four part scripted PowerPoint, and it's only gonna be $9.95. I, I, it just doesn't get any better than that. It's beautifully scripted, it's editable, and it's, it's on what topic? Victorious, Christian, what? Living, right. So the, what are the four pieces? From Revelation, and this is an ideal program for your health programming as a transition into evangelism. You can use it in your home. Um, but the four pieces that we cover in, this, in these two PowerPoint presentations are God's pardoning love, God's par receiving God's pardoning love, fruitful living, which deals with Christian standards and how to be fruitful, how to get traction in your Christian life, how to not just achieve success, but to maintain it over time. It's like Jackie Gleason said, he said the second day of a diet is always the best because by then you're done with it. You know? <laughs> and so we wanna help people move forward in their life. The third piece in this is so personally important to me and it's how to, how to prosper and grow and thrive during suffering, trials, and injustice. Do we need to understand that at the end of time? And then the fourth piece is on steadfast faith, how to develop a mindset of faith, the attitudinal disciplines that are required in Christianity. We talk so much in health about habits, but we have habits of thinking that need to be reorganized and activated, and that's the root of everything we do. And so this is gonna be available uh, in August as well. Can you just say praise the Lord? All right, so now we're gonna to get to our topic, and uh, we are gonna have Christmas in June over here after, after our meetings today. So far, there's nothing uh, except coal in the stocking. There's nothing on the table. But our person is coming to help us. We, our three books, Living Free, Simple Solutions, and Foods for Thought, we are giving you the Living Free book for the price of the two, uh, the two Foods for Thought, Simple Solutions. We're giving you a $25 book. So check out Christmas in June if anything miraculously appears on that table by the end of this class. Are there any questions before I begin our topic today? No? So you either totally got it or totally, it's ridiculous to even ask because, yes ma'am. Uh, you have on smoking, can that be uh, transferred over to chewing tobacco? Any kind of nicotine, the snuff, Chewing, smoking, cigars, pat, you know, whatever, pills. Um, yeah, you could almost use it for any addiction program, actually. Uh, so yes, that was a very good question, thank you. But today, what I'm going to give you is, an, is a tincture of our addiction and depression program. I kind of combined it because I just want to do an exposure today. Is that fair enough? I want to expose you to what you can do in your home or in your church or for a supper club or for a ministry moment 
and we have these short and long versions. So as you're looking at this, you don't need to take notes because it's all in the PowerPoint. And the PowerPoints are even scripted nicer than probably what you're going to hear from me. But my eyesight isn't good enough to read the, the notes on the slides. So I have to speak extemporaneously. But you will have everything you need to be able to share a life-saving message. How many of you are here today because God saved your life? How many of you are here today because you would be a train wreck without God? A train wreck. God is in the business of turning messes into miracles. I was a bulimic. I was bulimic from age 11 to age 31. I was throwing up a dozen times a day and using drugs, and I was a runaway. And I don't know what committee in heaven made me the health ministry's director. I don't know what mind was missing from that committee in heaven, but God is in the business of turning curses into blessings. How many of you would like to take the devil to the cleaners and you're just tired of this? That's what we're all about. So today we're gonna to talk a little bit about addictions and there are gonna be pieces that are not filled in because I've shortened it and my time is already running out. So addiction, uh, historically we've thought about it in terms of drugs, tobacco, nicotine, uh, substances. But now we know that addiction includes persistent compulsive behavior that is harmful or destructive, characterized by what? An inability to stop. That's exactly right. So depression, the definition of depression actually at the biochemical level is very similar process that is happening in addictions. And by the way, with addictions of all kinds, addictions can include shopping, it can include food, it can include what? What else? Gambling, pornography. Uh, it's not just about drugs. There are process, is there media addiction? Chocolate, yeah, yeah. So women are in the room, that's what we're gonna name that one for sure. So there are processes that occur in the brain with addiction that are almost identical to processes that occur in the brain with depression. And interestingly enough, in both of these disorders, 75% of the time, there are other conditions that are going on at the same time. So it's very, very important to work with your healthcare provider. For instance, there are forms of uh, Parkinson's disease that may manifest as compulsive gambling. You may think you're dealing with a straight addiction and a, and a, a spiritual issue, but the, the truth is they may have an organic problem in the brain. So it's very, very important to, to have a good assessment when you're dealing with these kinds of challenges. It's just uh, important that we know. So depression is an erosion of what? Connections in your life. That's why we have Jerry here. He came all the way from Canada, gave a, up a week of work to be with us to help us to know better how to make connections with human beings. Oh, how we need this. In your life as well as between your what? Your brain cells, yes. So this is a very, very important uh, point with regard to addictions or depression or changing bad habits or whether we're dealing with uh, uh, eating disorders or food addictions, whatever the addiction is, when it starts feeling difficult, we, we, it's easy to think that God isn't in it, that somehow we're not experiencing a miracle. Have you ever had that happen? It starts to feel hard. It starts to feel like work. 
So it can't be a miracle because if God was in it, it would be what? It would be easy. So the truth of the matter is, is that what begins as maybe an emotional or psychological or environmental or genetic or social problem very quickly becomes a hardware problem. It becomes a metabolic problem. It becomes a systemic problem. It becomes a brain problem. The brain is the hardware of your soul. And so the brain changes under the influence of these habits. And so what began as an emotional problem becomes an emotional, uh, an organic disease. It's the same, I could give a comparison with heart disease. If you go to the doctor and he says, you know you have coronary occlusion, your arteries are clogged, it's 80% occlusion, you gotta go home and read exciting recipes if you wanna get better. Is that what you, he would tell you? What would he tell you? You gotta go home and get rid of the, sh the chips, chops, and lollipops, man. You gotta start eating some stuff that's gonna that soften up those arteries and clear them up. And so it's a process that takes place over time. The miracle involved in that process, very few people get instant healing because the miracle is in the perseverance. The perseverance is the miracle. I call it a miracle in a brown wrapper. But perseverance is a precious gift from God. Here is the patience or perseverance of the saints. And so as we learn to persevere, it doesn't just change our weight. It just doesn't change our arteries or our brain. No, it changes your character. You get backbone instead of wishbone. Amen? And that's the miracle. So just because it, it's hard, doesn't mean that God is not in it. We gotta get over that thinking. Amen? I could appreciate, you know, hearing that would help me a lot right now. Amen? Okay. <laughs> so many factors influence the risk for and severity of both depression and addictions. They're cousins. By the way, the opposite of depression, people fill in the blank for me. I don't wanna be depressed, I wanna be happy. The opposite of depression is not happiness. I'm sorry to tell you. The opposite of depression is resiliency. What is resiliency? It's the ability to bounce back. It's the ability to tunnel through trouble. That's what it is. And the tools that we're talking about here this week in Balanced Living Boot Camp are all about resiliency. Resiliency when you're sick. Resiliency when you're troubled. Resiliency when you lose your home. Resiliency when stuff happens. It's all about resiliency. It's a miracle in a brown wrapper, amen? amen? And it's about avoiding unnecessary suffering as well. So we're not getting into the genetic and environmental and all the other things that have to do with depression and addiction, all the risk factors. We're talking about tunable, changeable things today. So it's gonna feel like, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about my background? Yes, all those things are important, but we're not discussing those things in class today. The good news is that new nerve cells are born in the brain every single day. Is that good news? We used to think you were born with all the nerve cells you were ever gonna have, and all you can do through life is lose them. And, yeah, yeah, bummer, huh? And, and, and 
years ago, the mathematicians calculated about from age 30 how many billions of cells you lose every day. And like that would send me to the pizza parlor. I don't know about you, but that's really depressing. The good news is that your brain produces new nerve cells every day and they're very excitable. They migrate to different neuronal neighborhoods. Two of those neuronal neighborhoods that are extremely important, and I, when I do this work, friends, I'm not looking for facts, I'm looking for God. I'm looking for God, I wanna see him in science. And these nerve cells migrate to two very important parts of the brain that you and I need to know about if we're dealing with addictions and depression. One of those areas is called the hippocampal area of the brain, which has to do with learning and memory. The other part of the brain that these new neurons migrate to and integrate into the neuronal neighborhood is the amygdala area of the brain. And that has to do with emotional memory. So what does this tell you and I about God? It tells you and me that we have been engineered by God for increased learning and wisdom over time and, from healing, and for healing from emotional damage and trauma. Can you worship a God like that? I can. So um, this is the good news. God's work is all about renewal, recovery, and restoration. Can you say amen to that? You may have a death sentence. You may be dying of cancer, but he is the resurrection and the life. The Bible says the sower went out to sow. He sowed seed. That seed has to have a living germinating principle in it or that plant will not, will not flourish. It won't grow. It won't germinate. And so he says the seed is truth. And when we share truth, it's a germinating seed in the hearts of men and women. The Bible says that seed is incorruptible, and we are born again by that word. How can we ever leave it out of what we do? I can't, and I know you don't want to either, because if we're gonna be purposeful in our health education, it has to lead souls to the great life giver, Jesus Christ, amen? So in this class, during this time, you are going to be learning how to make appeals, direct appeals, to the heart. I did some meetings in Unionville, and I did a series there. It's a town of 550 people came out to this meeting. I mean, this is such a great opportunity. They might not come to an evangelistic series, but they came because they're hurting and broken and depressed and addictions and, and want a new mindset, want a new life, and want new relatives, and want, you know, new everything, everything. And, and at the end of the series, I made an appeal. And we had four people, including a retired minister, sign up for Bible studies. Amen. I praise God. That's the living word. Amen. It's the word that attracts. Uh, and so I'm thankful for that today. And I think my time is up. I don't even think I can go any farther today on the topic of addiction and depression. But do you see how God can use you? Uh, I, I want to just have a couple more slides, and then I'm going to be done, because I don't want anybody to miss their time. What time am I supposed to be done here, Jerry? Is that the truth? Ah, oh, but we started five minutes late, right? Okay, so true science and inspiration are in perfect harmony. And Dr. John Rady, uh, an ex-seminarian who's a neuroscientist, he wrote this. Experiences, thoughts, actions, and emotions actually change the structure of our brains. Can you say thank you, God, for that? How many of you would like to have your brains, your habits, your minds, your thinking retooled in a better and stronger way for Jesus Christ? Amen? All right, so with that, I had to give a long introduction because of all this new stuff that's available. 
if if our person where's George oh George is here thank you okay so it's on the back table not the front table but anyway I'm going to switch equipment now and introduce Evan Evelyn uh, we're talking about making it purposeful Evelyn's talking about making it practical and then we're gonna have Jerry who's gonna talk about making it personal amen I asked Evelyn to help me shorten this so I could get through it all, but apparently she didn't shorten it enough for me, did she? <laughs> she told me not to comment on all the slides. <laughs> you think she followed my instruction? <laughs> if you did not get a, uh, if you did not get one of these wonderful balanced living tracks, raise your hand. I'll make sure you get one while Evie's getting getting set up. What we've been learning about the brain is pretty awesome on how it changes chemically or biochemically, physically. It changes as we learn. Even when they weigh the brain after they've taught rats a bunch of stuff and they weigh the brain, it weighs more. And that's what happens to us. It changes physically, it changes biochemically, and it changes genetically. And this is just, it's, it's like Vicki just said, a restoration, renewal, and recovery. And as we have studied this topic, it's just like, you know, you are transformed in, in, in our bodies and in our minds. And our lifestyle choices have a lot to do with that. It has, and so my part each day is to talk a little bit about how the brain changes and how that, and some physiology as well, but what is it and how does that happen and what can we do in a practical way? Now, what I'm going to share today is probably not applicable to you sitting in your chair, but you have neighbors that do this. They consume things like this. Now, I know y'all don't do this, but there's people out there that consume a lot of sugar, and what does that do to the brain? I think of all the demonstrations that I do, this one I hear more about. When they see how much sugar is in a product, or this product, they go, oh my, I didn't know that. So I need a volunteer to come up and help me with, with this demo. Thank you, Amy, come on up. Now, I know Amy doesn't drink this stuff. <laughs> oh, so you've done it for, for your VBS. Okay, so we're going to look at grams of sugar. So let's see how many grams of sugar is in a serving of Mountain Dew. 46 grams. 46 grams of sugar is in a serving. So what does that mean? How many grams of sugar is in a teaspoon? Four, I think four. Four, okay? So this is math. This is seeing if your brain works. 46 divided by four is? 11 and a half, right? Okay, so let's count it out. Here we go. One, two, I can't hear you. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 and a half. So that's the amount of sugar in a serving. 
What if you put that much sugar on your cereal in the morning? What would your people say? Whoa! That would be in a serving. So what's the next question? How many servings are in the bottle? Most people think it's one. How many do you think are in this bottle? How do you know that? <laughs> Servings per container about three is three. Okay, so how many more serve? Uh, how many more teaspoons do we need? Twenty-three, 23 teaspoons. Oh. I've already measured it. So this is the amount of sugar in one bottle of Mountain Dew. Now there's some people who will buy a Mountain Dew, and what do they buy to go with it? Candy bar, chip. But if we had a candy bar, we would have to add some more sugar to that, wouldn't we? Yeah. So what happens? Give Amy a big hand. Good job. So what happens when we consume this much sugar? Heals the brain cells, she says. What'd you say? Bouncing off the walls. We, we let kids drink stuff like this, and then we ask them to sit down and be still. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what, what else do you think's going on when, when we get a dose? Yeah, it's going to affect the teeth on the inside and the outside, isn't it? Any, helps get you closer to diabetes. Okay. It affects your immune system. Now, how does it affect the immune system? Lowers the, the, the leukocytes, the white blood cells can do that. Okay. What else does it do? It affects your heart. In what way does it affect your heart? Well, if you have tooth decay, it affects your... Tooth decay? Are you in the tooth business? <laughs> I am in the Okay. Yeah, yeah. Even when you have tooth decay, that can affect your heart. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. yeah. So what, how else does it affect the heart? By causing inflammation. Yes. It is a huge inflammatory product. So we eat this stuff, drink this stuff, and it causes inflammation, and that can affect the heart, the blood vessels, but also things like arthritis. And if, if you have stuff like that going on in the body, everything that goes on in the body, it's going on in the brain as well, isn't it? Yeah, so this is a huge inflammatory food. Anything else that you know about it? What else does this sugar do? One of the worst things it does. Vicki, do you know? <laughs> it causes new nerve cells in the brain to, to commit suicide. It destroys, that's kind of what you said, it kills them. It will, they will commit suicide. Yes, so it, it does kill the brain cells. And when, when there is an addiction, you know, it can look very similar to even a cocaine addiction when there's an addiction even like sugar. The, what's going on, the places in the brain that light up. But there's still another one. Increases belly fat. Increases belly fat. How does it do that? Like increasing your level of uh, insulin. Insulin. It makes the insulin levels go up and, that, and also cortisol levels. And that can tell the fat to lay down here in the abdominal area. Right. That's right. And there was another hand. It's been linked to cancer, many forms of cancer. Many forms of cancer because, and that's probably a lot of, to do with inflammatory 
products as well. And when we're eating this, we're often not eating some of the other kinds of foods. But another is it throws off the appetite hormones. You have, have you heard of leptin and ghrelin? The ghrelin is the appetite hormone in your stomach and the leptin is in the brain. And it throws those off so that we don't know if we're hungry or if we're full. And so we, you know, people do this with their meals. They just keep on drinking, you know, and it throws them off into, sometimes it throws them into a frenzy where a person who has one bite of something sweet means they can't stop. And they eat the whole bag of Oreos. They can't stop with one. And that, that's a response of the Lipton that has gone haywire. And there are individuals who have to treat this like a drug that say, I can't have any of this because if I have one bite, I'm over the edge. So, but many, many people can have a serving or two of something sweet in a day or a week and they can do okay with that. But if you find, and, but eating healthy foods starts to balance the Lipton and the ghrelin that tells us when we're hungry and we're full. But there are individuals who have to just say, this is not for me. This is not my friend. I am completely getting rid of it. So understanding where you are in the spectrum, is it something that I can use a little bit and, and, and manage? Or is it when I eat one of these, I'm over the edge and I lose control. And you have to just treat it that way. You could have this many calories. You could have at least five fruits for the amount of calories that you're gonna find in, in Mountain Dew. Now what's gonna happen in the fill up value here? You're gonna get a whole lot more of the fiber, the nutrients, and uh, you get your sugar your sugar fix from these foods. Are the, is there anybody here who would eat a peach and that would satisfy the sweet craving that you have? And we, have, we were designed that way, but because of the processing of foods, we have gotten into um, trouble because of the processing of foods. So each day we're gonna build on the information that we have here on what to do to have a healthier body and a healthier brain. So next, I have a couple of questions. And when we, uh, when we do our programs, there, I think it's important that we have time where people can talk to each other and process, how can I, how can I make this practical in my life? And so a couple of easy questions to ask at the end for a, a presentation is, okay, what is it? What did I learn? Tell somebody next to you. You can, you can address any of these because we only have a few short minutes. What did I learn in this presentation? What, did you, what is it that you heard that you want to remember? What is it you want to remember? And the third is, how will I apply that in my life? So would you talk to somebody sitting next to you and address one of these questions because we only have a few short minutes. But remember these questions because they're really great ones to use after you do a presentation. Okay, I'd like to hear what somebody's gonna do about this. Which one? 
Bible bag? Tell my wife not to eat sugar. You're going to tell your wife not to eat sugar. Okay, cool. Okay, what's something practical that you're going to do with this information? Welcome, Jerry. You're welcome. And you won't need any Mountain Dew. <laughs> and we all like accents, don't we? Yeah. That stuff's really sweet, isn't it? No, okay. They don't know. They don't drink it. Thank you. Thank you very much. I just want to um, really support a couple of things that Vicki said, and we've had some really good discussions on this, is the health message is so interwoven with the plan of salvation. You separate either one of them, you just go off board. And, it's, and it happens quite often, actually. And I notice I can't turn my head to the right, so I'll keep it to the left. Um, when, uh, the other thing is, is that the program is very easy to use. And I, I just want to share with you is that what we do in the home, or even in church, I've done it when we put, uh, put these programs on, is when I was in grade two, I was, I, the teachers told my parents with me present, because I failed grade one and I failed grade two, that your son is backward. So mentally retarded, that's what they called me back then. And uh, so reading has been a very uh, a struggle for me. And, and that, that fear that's always been there whenever I had to read. And uh, so what has happened, it just happened organically, is that when we have the program, um, that I actually just get other people to read. So as Vicki was showing the slides, you know, I can read the slides, but I'm, I, I can focus on other things. And somebody else will just say, well, well, whoever's comfortable, would you like to start reading from here? And it just happens, and there's a real flow, and people get engaged, and we stop, and we discuss it as we go through. So that's very important because it just, if it helps me, I know it'll help you. And uh, it, it's amazing how people get involved. And uh, the other thing is, is that when Vicki were talking about uh, what, uh, what series, what, what part of the program would I share in the first day with the addiction? And I shared with Vicki, I have to share something. Today, what I'll be sharing is the most important thing that I'll be sharing here over this week. And it really doesn't have that much to do about the program. But what it does have to do with is that what can happen if you do not keep your walk with the Lord first as a priority in your, in your life. So just a little bit of a background, and I don't like to go back into my past that much because the devil had enough of my past, so I don't like to give him that much more space. And, but I do go, and when I do refer to the past, I use that past as a place of reference not a place of residence. But sometimes you just have to bring that out. So what I was sharing with Vicki, and I was, I, was, I was praying about what would I be sharing about? And this is it, sort of in a nutshell, is that if you don't say focus in whatever work that you're doing and have your relationship with Christ first, you'll end up in trouble. And there will be a trail of disaster behind you. And sometimes it takes years to sweep and clean it up. And uh, what I'm going to be sharing about that is, is that just a little bit of the background. I was raised in a um, 
Uh, some people ask me if uh, a Christian home, yes, but my dad was not really a Christian. He was very into the law. So I, that was a very hard life to live. There was nine of us kids. My mom, I, at the age of about two, I, she had a nervous breakdown. She had to go to the hospital and our family was split up. So I went with a family that I didn't even know where I was when I was a child. And uh, from there, about the age of eight, I was in so much trouble that I already was charged with a federal offense in Canada, which was serious at the age of eight. And I was just going through a lot of turmoil in my life. And uh, from there, I ended up on the streets uh, at about the age of 15. And so for my life, from the age of 15 to the age of about 22, was on the streets in and out of jail, and that was my life. It was in the flop houses and the crime and the gangs, and that, all that stuff that goes along with it. And all it was was a sense of belonging, right? Everybody wants to belong somewhere. And that was the sense of belonging for me. What happened is that I, I left Canada in uh, 1977 to come to the States. I, I was actually I, in Canada without glorifying this part. I was uh, with an agency. I was modeling clothes. I went right from the streets and from jail. Uh, a lady saw me and she asked me if they had an agency, would I be interested in doing this? I ended up doing that and ended up in Hollywood. So here I was carrying all this baggage in my life and all the pain in my life and dealing with the emotional turmoil. But instead of riding around on a bike, it happens to be with somebody in a Rolls Royce. But still, same pain, same pain in my life. And from there, I ended up in Dallas, Texas with an agency, and one day, and I'm making this very brief, but one day I had an experience beside the river. I was in so much pain and so much, you know, from the drugs, from banging it, and just living that life that was just hurting inside. And I was sitting beside the river one day in 1979, and I had a personal experience with the Lord. And right then, I asked the Lord to come into my life. And I, the day prior to that, I actually happened to steal a watermelon off a person's truck. And so I went to make that right. And I, so that was my first step of restitution. I ended up in, back into Canada. And from there, I was looking at studying for the ministry. But the Lord put it on my heart. I had to go and make things right with people. So it took me approximately a year going and seeing business from ex-drug dealers, the whole stuff. The Lord led me by step by step by step from first going to make it right with a watermelon to making things right with other people. And I had an amazing experience with the Lord. And I, then one day, I, 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 it was come to me to go back to my hometown where I used to run on the streets and to maybe get involved in a ministry of some sort. And the opportunity came that there was a bakery for sale, and this is 1979. So I, through some dealing, I end up actually purchasing the bakery, 
and that actually was the bakery. It's a realty place now, but I went back a few years ago to take a picture of that spot that used to be the bakery. And at that time, I had such a close walk with the Lord that I'd sit with people, and it didn't matter what was going through their life, I really wouldn't see their faults. The Holy Spirit was just working to just be with them and give them some comfort and then lead them to the Lord. And that was what was happening. But here's the downfall. I got so busy in doing that, my devotional time with the Lord starts sliding away. Then gradually what would happen, I'd go, I'm just going to come into town. I'm just going to go into this bakery. I'm just going to get the dough. And at first it was just come into town and be by the lake. Then I'd spend time with the Lord. Then it was, well, I'm going to just go into the bakery and get the dough going in the mixers, let it rise, and I can really spend time with the Lord. Then it got fine. I know I'm just going to put it in this graduate house, just start putting it in the oven. Then what was happening, I became very uh, uh, religious and legalistic. And I start seeing everybody's faults. And I start in my own mind condemning them. I'd start looking at what they're eating. I start looking at all these other things, right? Then what happened? I was 20, about 23 at that time. A lady, a Christian lady that was helping me out in the bakery, 15 years older than myself, And this is very personal, I'm telling you, but this is what happens. She had a couple of teenage children. Her husband had passed away, and we became intimate. And that was so far from my walk. But it happened because I was just, I just didn't see all the things. I started seeing all the faults. My my walk with the Lord was just gone. But I was speaking in churches, though. I was doing all these things, but my walk was gone. And then we ended up pregnant, trying to, uh, ended up, long story, get married, but never dated. And the uh, marriage was over in four years. My walk with the Lord was over. And I went back into sort of this lifestyle that I was into before. I wasn't out crediting the, the crimes and that, but I was actually back into drugs, back into the coke, back into all the bars and all that lifestyle that, that goes on with it. And I can tell you personally from spending time in jail, from being in a little cell for seven months, okay, that's a pretty hard life sometimes. But having that walk with the Lord and losing that walk was far harder time than jail time. I can personally tell you that. And so what happened in uh, 2009, June the, June the 8th, and here is, I was at the place again where I'd be drinking vodka straight, driving home out of the 26er, just because I had this pain again and emptiness in my life, right? Then June, June the 8th, 2.32 in the afternoon, working on a rooftop. I had that experience that I had in 1979. So I went all those years from basically 1980, 1981, then it really took a dip in 84 to 2009. That's quite a while. Living in that pain. 
And I was on that rooftop, I was on my knees, and I had that same experience that I had in Dallas. And I had a marker. That pail right there was a pail. I was knocking a chimney down, and I'd be throwing the bricks in that chimney, and I'd throw it over. And I had that experience, and what I did is I had a red marker in my pocket, in, my, in this pouch, and I pulled it out, and I wrote on the pail, that's the date, 2.32 in the afternoon in June 2009. And I keep that as a personal, uh, as something personal to me. So that's the part I wanted to share, that when we're involved in things, no matter what we're doing, the priority is spending time with the Lord. And I know as a single person, I'm in the home, I don't even have to worry about mice, right? So I don't have to worry. I'm by myself. And I know it's a lot easier for me to have my devotional time. I don't have, there isn't ch uh, children around. I, I, I can do it whenever I, whenever I want to do it, right? But, so, but there still is those temptations. But what I made a commitment in my life back in 2009, before I even eat, I'm going to be fed, uh, fed spiritually. And it is maybe only a couple times, and I'm not saying this to be religious or anything, I'm just saying that my, from my own personal experience, I've made that as a priority because I know for me, I need that. And because uh, there's so many temptations, and there's so many temptations out there. And um, so anyway, the reason why I call this little talk about the Bible bag, in 1979, I had a sandal maker make this Bible bag for me. And I wanted to make it for my Bible that I got from it as written in 79. Okay, so I had him make this Bible bag for me. And it was my pride. It was just so personal. And there was a spot in here where I had the, there was anointing oil. There was, you know, it was a ministry that was happening. And what happened is, is that when I lost my walk, I was living in this old farmhouse. And there's a, a gentleman from Romania staying there. And we had to move from that farmhouse. And I took this Bible bag and I threw it like this to him, and I said, here, it was something in the line, do with this whatever you want to do with it. But I took the Bible out, and I put the Bible away. And so, anyway, that's what happened with this Bible bag, and that was 1984. Then, just a few years ago, I was at a camp meeting in Alberta, and here's that Romanian guy. And I, was, and I hadn't seen him for all these years. Okay, so this was just about maybe three years. No, it was four years ago before 2012. What happened is that I, I was in the book and Bible house, right? And I felt a little poke in the side of my ribs. And I turned around. And Marius, I look, and he goes, do you remember me? And I said, oh, yeah, I remember you. You know, and he says, well, come meet my wife and my children. You know, I said, okay. So we went to the motorhome, sitting in the motorhome. And I often wondered, what did I ever do with that Bible bag? You know? And he comes out of the bedroom, and he's carrying that Bible bag. And he goes like this to me. He goes, do you remember this? 
And I said, yes. And he's carried this all over the world as an elder in, in his ministry. He has pictures. I have a picture in here when he's got the bag in Israel. And his wife and daughter would say, when are you going to get rid of that old bag? He goes, no, that's, in all those years, when are you going to get rid of it? He goes, no, it's important. It's important to keep it. So what happened is that I had tears in my eyes. There was tears of joy, but also was thinking about the time when I did that. So we're talking and uh, walking around camp meeting, and I would introduce him to a few people I know. And I said, this is the guy. This is the guy that had my Bible bag. And one day when we're talking, he looked at me, and he said, this bag, i got to fix the strap on it, but it's going to go back to its rightful owner. So what we did, we went to that same piece of property in northern Alberta where we lived. And we went to that spot and we had prayer. And he gave me that Bible bag back. And I put that Bible back in that bag. And it's been with me since. And you know, it's it's just that reminder that I keep that bag. And I actually, he didn't fix the buckle. I said I'd fix the buckle because I wanted it, right? So (laughs) the thing is, Mick, his young boy, said to me, he said to me one time, just after his dad gave me the bag, his his son was about 12 years old at that time, a very spiritual uh, young lad. And he goes, when you die, can I have the bag? (laughs) And I said, yeah. So I shook his hand so I know where that bag's going to go. It's going to go to him, and he wants, he wants it. And um, so it, it's so important to keep that walk. And I took that bag back to my place in, in Ontario. I live in Alberta, but I went back to Ontario, and I took that bag. I could have taken it anywhere, but I was inspired to take it to that sandal maker, this hippie guy that made it in 1979, and this is about three years ago that I took it to him. And I took it into a shop, and he, I, I introduced myself. I said, hey, you made this for me uh, for, uh, for my Bible bag in 1979. Can you fix his buckle? And he goes, what do you want to keep that piece for? And I shared with him the reason why. And he took it with respect. And I went back, and he had it fixed, and he handed it back to me. So there's a long story with that. You know, so the key thing is, the most important thing is, and I know I've said it a few times, but it's a reminder for myself, whatever you're doing, keep that close walk with the Lord. It's more important than anything, than anything to keep it, because when you lose it, when you start going a little dry, we know what it's like, right? We've all probably been there to some degree when we get, everybody's goes to different depths and that, but we can go to a place that's not very helpful. And I just praise God that I'm able to come here and uh, share this story. And uh, tomorrow, what I'll be sharing is that how a native man, bottle picker off the street, how God used him to give me the word about getting involved 
and doing this type of work. And also a, a few stories of how uh, using the Living Free program and meeting Vicki in Florida and, and going through the program and how, how to using it in the home and some amazing things how God has worked. So I want to thank you very much and I think they might have a little question and answer period. And uh, So if you see me walking around that Bible bag, you know my first night here, I was so tired and the bag was away and I came to the meeting and I didn't have my Bible and Janice, you had, you had the Bible? And we're sharing the Bible, and I felt lost. I felt lost because I didn't have it with me. So whenever you see that bag, you know the story. Amen. Thank amen. you so much for sharing, yes. Jerry. God bless you. Can we just say, amen. Thank you for coming all this way to share with us. And as you were sharing, uh, Jerry, I was thinking how the Bible says that I will restore the years that the palmer worm and the canker worm and all, whatever direction, whatever shape, whatever form, the trauma, the trouble has come in, the turmoil, the terrible choices, I will restore them. And in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 7, he says, I will repay you double for all you've been through, for all the shame, for all the messes, for all the problems, for all the stuff you didn't even have control over. You got yourself into a situation, you don't know how you got there, and you don't know how to get out, but he says, I will repay you double. It's like workers' compensation. How many of you would like to start collecting your double workers' compensation about that? Amen. By the way, I didn't hear any of the defections there in that speaking. Amen? Uh, Jerry went on to do some amazing elite work to develop software for the athletes who has uh, some high deal with uh, special type of massage for Olympic people, and I don't understand all of it, but uh, anyway, God, don't ever, God has not given us a label, he's given us a life in Jesus Christ, amen? Welcome to boot camp, and I hope that you will come back every day, bring your friends, and are there any questions before we have closing prayer? Tomorrow we're going to talk about uh, some fascinating topics, and Jerry does have an amazing story. When he showed up at my training in Florida, I'd never seen this guy. He came with a busload of Canadians. He shows up, and I'm doing a 15-hour training. He says, hi, my name's Jerry. I'd like to share in your class. And I said, oh, yeah, well, uh, you know, we only have a few minutes. I'm not sure. You know, who, who, who is this person? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, once he opened his mouth and started to share, I said, oh, yeah, just go. You know, just let it go. Just share. And it was worth more than the other 14 hours and 25 minutes that I, ever, that I ever did. I really believe the Lord had me put together, and Evelyn and I, to put together these living free materials for people like Jerry. To go. He's the boots on the ground, brothers and sisters. And if we don't have boots on the ground, what good are materials? What good are they? Uh, and so I, I thank God for each and every one of you, and I just want to thank you for being here today. And uh, let's have closing prayer. Dear Father in Heaven, we just thank you so much for the Bible bag. We thank you for the story of how you've reclaimed each and every one of us multiple times. And as we learn how to work with people, how to win their hearts in a winsome way, how to enter into the deepest part of the soul with the testing, beautiful truths for this time to prepare a people for the second coming of Jesus Christ, I pray, God, that we will not lose our way. Paul said that he kept his body under, lest after he preached to others, he himself would be a castaway. 
Oh, Father, we're, I'm just so thankful for the experiences that teach us to lay low at the foot of the cross. Please bless us and help us not to forget these lessons. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.